Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, it's Ayers on the Road. We are up at Bear Lake again this week, and we are expecting a lot of good fun with grandchildren this week. Wow, have we been over our heads with grandchildren. This is the calm before the storm. We're up here getting ready for a family reunion, and it's like peaceful right now, but there's this hurricane that's right around the corner. It's going to come in at any moment. Well, right, and the official reunion hasn't even happened. This is just two or three families that are going to drop by, and uh, a couple of them have been with us this week, and so grandchildren are on our minds. Belinda, listen, let me tell you now, um, the, the title of the show today, think about this. I'll give you the title and you tell me, what, what does this bring to your mind when I say this? Grandchildren, how did we get so lucky? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Any yeah. grandparent feels that, right? If you're a grandparent and you're with your grandchild, I don't care if you have one or a hundred you look at that grandchild and you say to yourself, how did I get so lucky to have this grandchild? It's like a bonus. It's like life was pretty good before. And then this grandchild came along and suddenly life is way, way better. Hey, you know what? Um, you should, you listeners should all know that Richard is a perpetual optimist to the point of crazy. Well, wait, you can't not be an optimist about grandchildren. I know, but what about when you have a rebellious grandchild? And I know what you're going to say because we've been struggling well, with well, one little bit. Well, you send them home. You just send them home. Well, you true. That's the thing about grandchildren, you know. It's great to be with them, and when they get too much for you to handle, you just say, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't Bye. do that with your Go kids. Go home. No, that's true. But um, but you do worry about them. But you're right about the fact that, you know, that it's not the same as your own kids. And it really is kind of interesting to deal with issues as they come up when you don't have to really well, there, be the solution. There's all those cliches, right, about, uh, gee, if I'd have known how fun grandparenting was, I would have done that first. I mean, everyone's probably heard that's that. And then, and then there's cheesy. the one that says... Uh, no wonder grandparents and grandkids get along so well. They have a common enemy. That's pretty bad. That's even worse. <laughs> but but when you think about grandparenting, Linda, I mean, it's like, well, we, 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 we're, we're going to tell you listeners about a couple of books we're working on. But in doing the research for these books, one of the things we found was an enormous survey done by an insurance company, a life insurance company of baby boomers, and actually of, of people who were turning 65. In the year they turned 65, they would give this survey questionnaire to people to try to figure out their attitudes and how they felt about things and so on. And it turned out that of this multi-thousand person survey, 84% uh, of those people turning 65 were grandparents. And then of those grandparents, one of the questions was, what is the, what is the happiest, most fulfilling part of your life? And 79% of those grandparents said, it's my grandchildren or my grandchild. So one thing we know for sure, the joy of being a grandparent is pretty much a universal thing. It really is. And boy, you know, we have really done, um, had an amazing couple of weeks because we've had such a mix of grandchildren. Um, we do have a wide variety. Our oldest is 20, 
just turned 20 and our baby is six months. And so everything in between. So the ones with teenagers, um, in a lot of ways, life is a lot easier. You don't have to carry around bottles and diapers and wet wipes and all that stuff. But there are other things to carry. Um, we had one who went to a soccer camp this week at BYU. And after the or third day, something happened to her neck. We're not sure if she was hit or what, but she's been in excruciating pain, crying. Her mom went down and picked her up uh, yesterday. Well, what about our our other granddaughter who's in Europe and broke both of her arms? Yeah, then we have another granddaughter who their family's in Europe. They took off for an extensive trip in Europe, starting in England. And um, it really was pretty... Uh, sorrowful because they went to an estate just as they were about to leave for Paris (laughs) an hour before they were going to catch the train. They went to this big estate and there was this huge tree. And guess what? They all climbed up. I mean, this this is to set the stage for this story. (laughs) This is an interesting family because they love one of the things, apparently we didn't realize this, but they love going to old estates and seeing these big, old castles or old old uh, manor houses and and big gardens and i guess some of the kids get a little bored and so they feel like the best thing they can do there is climb all the trees oh my gosh they have so twin 11 year olds they're climbing every tree so and poor little eliza, eliza falls 14, out 14. and breaks both of her arms both above her wrists and so she's now going around europe with with two well, little casts on you have to add the details in that they had to wait for two days they missed their train oh it's terrible. they went to the hospital they wanted sixty five hundred dollars before they stepped out but of the, the door. point is no, but the point is she has two pins <laughs> in both of her arms and got up out of surgery and got back on another plane and uh, went to Paris and saw about seven different major sites in one day. Okay, but the point is <laughs> that where when you have several, m- most people have more grandchildren than they do children, right? Because there's the multiplier effect. Right, <laughs> not all though. Although it's not a, a geometric, it's not a, a arithmetic multiplier. Like if you have five kids, it's probably not likely that you have 25 grandkids because families are getting smaller and we want to talk about that in a minute. But, but this, the point we're making here is you have more grandchildren to worry about than you had children. But what's the difference, Linda, in the way you worried about your children and the way you worry about your grandchildren? What's the fundamental difference, do you think? Well, we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, you're not responsible for it. Yeah, it's one step removed. Um, absolutely. There's a buffer. The buffer is your child. <laughs> the buffer is, but the big problem is keeping your mouth shut when you see a problem. Um, it really is um, hard, and well, especially I, for this man sitting by me. Well, we want to get to that in a minute. What are the? What, what, in fact, let's do this now, and then we'll come back to the the whole idea of the fundamental difference with grandchildren and so on. But if if you, I think there are three ways to fail miserably as a grandparent. And you just mentioned one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Saying too much, too many opinions and uh, getting in the middle, too, getting in the middle. And, and it, being too proactive as a grandparent, being too um, controlling, being too much of a know-it-all, being too much of the person that has all the answers and that wants to tell your children how to raise your grandchildren and so on. Now, 
pro being proactive is good. In fact, the name of of the new grandfathering book that I just finished, and it's actually at the printer now. We're going to talk about these these books because Linda's doing one on grandmothering. I'm doing one on grandfathering. We decided that they were such different uh, occupations or different pursuits. Grandmothers pursue it very differently than grandparents or grandfathers in most in most cases. But at any rate, the name of the grandfathering book is Being a Proactive Grandfather. So I think it's good to be proactive, to be involved, to know what's going on, to try to be on top of what's happening with each of your grandkids, to try to remember all their birthdays, <laughs> to try to remember all their names. <laughs> but I think, and to do things for them and to figure out where you're going to fit in. But it is not a good thing. One of the ways to fail as a grandparent is to get too and how do we say it? Too involved, too much of a steward, too much of a controlling influence, too much of a know-it-all, and to try to tell, um, you know, the parents how to raise the grandkids. What's another well, way to fail as a grandparent? Well, you know, that's where the the horrible mother-in-law syndrome comes in because right, sometimes right. we try to step in and see and make things happen like we would like them to happen, and uh, that's the big temptation. But the really um, the best thing you can do a lot of times is put duct tape over your mouth. I've put duct tape bite over this tongue. man's mouth Just bite a lot. your tongue. Just bite your tongue. Yep. And just bide your time. I mean, if it's uh, really serious, obviously, if a child's well-being, well, you might think anything is a child's well-being, but there are serious times when you have to say something. But, well, most of the time you just have to say you're doing well. You're doing great. You're doing great. So the, the three, that's, the, that's the first of three ways to really blow it as a grandparent is say too much. What's the way to overcome that, Linda? Probably to have some private time, maybe a meeting, maybe take your, your children to dinner to talk about how you can help with the grandkids and let the parents be the decision makers. Don't don't take your kids to dinner and say, I've noticed three things you could be doing better as a parent. That's the worst. But instead, hey, we're a resource to you. These are your children. You're the steward. You're the one with the responsibility that we'd like to be a resource. We'd like to be a backup. Where could we help? Where would you welcome? Where are the areas you'd welcome our involvement with these grandkids and let the kids and then sit there and listen and shut up and listen. Right. Right. Um, one of the key things that I've discovered with grandchildren is taking them out and just asking them questions. You know, sometimes you just go to lunch with a grandchild and you just talk about nothing. I mean, you know, you just pass the time. Or what are you doing and how's school? Yes, these really general yeah, questions. Yeah, just general questions. But um, I went to a seminar once when we were actually in Columbia at a big private school um, convention. And there was a teacher there who did a class on how to get to know children in the classroom. And we have about as many children as she had in her classroom. <laughs> we have many grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yeah. grandchildren. And so, um, yeah, I was very interested in that. And I wrote down some, some questions. And it was fascinating to really uh, delve into their personalities. And they don't feel like they're being bombarded, I don't think. Well, specific but, questions like, well, what is your favorite thing to do when you have free time? Or what? who's your best friend? Why? Um, what's the thing you worry about most now? And you got to, they can't be these questions that they can answer with a yes or a no. Right. 
And what are you afraid of? Uh, I have one little grandchild named Cubby. His actual name is Jacobson, which was my maiden name. They call him Cubby. And he has such a soft little heart. And anything scary in a movie, he just, he can't, it goes over and over in his mind. He can't get rid of it, you know. And so he was talking about something really scary in one of the movies. And then a year later, I asked him again, you know, what scares you the most? Well, scary movies. You know, this last, this lasted for a long time for him. But, you know, just being sensitive about those little things. Uh, That's is a good so example, though. How old, how old's Cubby? He's seven. Seven. He just turned seven. But right? this happened when See, he was Linda six. knows. If I don't know their age or their birthday, I just ask Linda. But uh, he was riding in my truck with me the other day, and there were some scratches on the on the um, console. He was sitting in the back seat, and, and uh, I said, he said, Grandfather, what are these scratches? And I said, I don't know how many of them are. And he counted them. He said, there's five. And without thinking, I said, oh, well, that was when uh, there was a, a mountain lion in there. And he scratched it with his with his. Oh, paw. dear, you should never, never say <laughs> and, something and, like and that. There was a total me. silence. And Kevin <laughs> said, where is he now? <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you have to know him. And, and I mean, this in this way, it's like parenting, right, Linda? You, you, you don't parent all children the same. You don't grandparent children all the same. The key is having a sense of who they really are. And, and then, and, and being the one person who just accepts them completely unconditionally, parents would like to say, I love my kids unconditionally, but that's really hard for parents. It's really easy for grandparents. We need to take a little break here in a minute, but we, we've only covered one of the ways to fail as a grandparent. Let me mention the second one, and you can think about it during the break, and then we'll come back and talk about it. And you know what? You know, this is probably the most common one, Linda. You can really fail as a grandparent and really mess things up by giving your grandkids everything by spoiling them by just sort of waltzing in and giving them everything so let's take a little break and when we come back we'll talk about that way of messing up as a grandparent and one more and then we'll get to the positive things about how to be a great grandparent not a great grandparent but a great pause grandparent right. we'll be back in just a minute And we're back on Ayers on the Road talking about the joy of grandparenting, but also the potential pitfalls, Linda. Um, as we mentioned in the first half, the biggest pitfall is probably saying too much and giving too much advice. Um, second biggest one is spoiling them. And we hadn't really talked much about spoiling. Um, That's you know, what we're getting into now. Sometimes we feel like it's our prerogative to spoil our grandchildren. You know, we have a little more money than we had when our children were growing up, usually, not always. And um, we really want them to have the things that they want. And so it's really hard to, to say, uh, have hold yourself back and say, nope. We can't do that. In fact, I have learned from my children that it's a good idea to check with them before you give kids anything because it is so uh, important to them, especially even if they're a little really, thing. Even you give them a candy bar and maybe, maybe their parents have them on a sugar-free diet. I mean, you got to know, you got to have the parents guide you. Yeah, it really is important because they do live with them after all. And some of you have grandchildren living with you, and you know them better than you want to know them. Well, one of the things we we do, as long-term listeners know, is we're, we're, we give a lot of speeches to parents, and, 
And one of the main things we talk about is entitlement attitudes. And, um, you know, we have a book called The Entitlement Trap. And so we'll be talking to parents about avoiding giving kids too much and setting up a family economy and making kids learn to, to work and and having a payday instead of an allowance day and all those things. And inevitably, before we can even get finished with that part of our lecture, someone will always raise their hand and say, what about the grandparents? I mean, I can, I can try to get rid of the entitlement attitudes, but the grandparents come along and just entitle them they all the time. They just dump this stuff on them. Uh, we have one daughter-in-law who is obsessed about not having electronics in their house. And the one reason is because her father was just a bit addicted <laughs> to uh, the Internet. And so she just thought, I, this is not going to happen to my kids. So she is just so adamant about no. In fact, they were at her house yesterday. And the first thing the kids ask when the parents stepped out the door is, can can I play on the computer? Can I have your phone? Let me borrow your and phone, can I have your phone? Um, and it really, uh, and I'm so gladly say, oh, yeah, sure, yes, here. And, um, you know, f whatever. And then as they went in, one of them said, uh, one of the other kids tattled a little bit and said, you know, our rule is we have to work for an hour or we have to go outside and play for an hour before we can get on the Internet for an hour or uh, play with electronics. And uh, so I said, okay, that's a good idea here. Let's let's go ahead and do that. We'll time you. Let's let's set a timer. And I must say that I let him go over a little bit. I hope she's not listening. But um, but they <laughs> they did come out and help me. They helped me chop down weeds, and they helped me clear out some things that needed to be cleared out and ran errands for me, oh, so that they can have that time. On, I mean, you know, it wasn't just out of kindness. They really wanted to get on the electronics. Okay, Linda. So we could have we could have titled this show a little differently. We could have titled it Three Ways to Fail." as a grandparent, but we didn't want to be negative in what we were putting on the title of the show, but we've covered two of them now. And, and we want you, we, if you're a parent listening, ask yourself whether your parents are failing in these ways and have a little talk with them. If you're a grandparent, think about these things. So the first way to fail is get too involved, be too controlling, have too much advice for your children and the parents. Second way to fail is spoil the grandkids, give them too much. And the solution to both of those is have some private meetings, have a dinner, a session with your kids and, and let them know that you are the grandparent and you are there to support them, not to tell them what to do, not to give the kids things that you just want to on a whim and find out how those parents would like you to interface with the kids. And of course, mainly find out what the parents are worried about with each of the children. See if you can be a problem solver. See if you can be the one who comes in with a little different social distance and a little different positivity and helps with this problem. You have done that so well with a grandson that's been struggling a little bit this year. And um, you have really done a good job of taking him out and just talking not directly about what the problem was, but just trying to figure out where his mind's coming from and so on. And uh, but so only after a lot, but only after a lot of consultation with 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 his parents. Well, yes, and that's right. And they ask you to do that, which is a good thing. But um, the real solution was just 
more simple than we realized. A really dynamite girl. Well, let's not get into that. <laughs> She's so right. cute, and he's changed his attitude. So sometimes uh, peers can do both ways. They can go down the road the wrong way, or they can go down the road the right way. And so yeah, it's well, absolutely interesting. Uh, that's a, that is a good point, and that, that is actually a good example. I'm sure I have some bad examples, but that's a good example of consulting with the parents, finding out what the needs are, being sure you understand what's really going on, and then counseling with the parents as to how you can help. And sometimes it might be just a supportive supplemental role. Sometimes it might be a form of direct intervention. Now, what's the third way to fail as a grandparent? I bet everyone listening would know this if you think about it. And it may be the most common, unfortunately. And that's to just disengage. That's to just not be interested. That's just to say, hey, I've been a parent. I, I, I've raised my kids. I certainly don't want to get too involved with these grandkids. I'll, you know, I'll send them a gift every once in a while or I'll get together with them at Christmas or whatever. That's the saddest one. And there are, there are a lot of grandparents who just don't want to be bothered, you know, and, and the epitome of it, I mean, I guess would be, I don't even like to be around kids. I, I live at a, at a senior uh, community. Kids aren't even allowed here. I, I just play golf. I, I've done my family thing. I want to be done now. The reason that's so sad, I think, is 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 not only do the grandkids need their grandparents if they're lucky enough to have them, the grandparents really need the grandkids. I mean, if you yeah, want, if you true. want a sure formula for getting old faster than you normally would, just isolate yourself from your grandkids or from any kids. Just be around other people of your own age, and you can accelerate how fast you're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone want to try that? Well, some, some people may disagree. You know, if you're getting older because you're worrying about your grandchildren when you know about all their deep, dark secrets. But um, it really is true that some people are just not involved. We were at, at a retreat up in Colorado a couple of years ago, and a really sharp couple who were running the retreat said, you know, we want to sit by your dinner because we've got to have some advice. Our parents have just disengaged from our family. And we have two teenagers who are darling kids, but they really need some direction. And they could help so much. And they've just gone off and they don't want anything to do with them. And what do I do? And it really was a, kind of a sad story. What we told them, by the way, is, you know, you take them to, to dinner, take your parents to dinner and, and don't, don't beg them. Don't say, hey, we really need your help with our kids, although that wouldn't be a bad thing to do. But instead, tell them about your grandkid. Tell them the things they don't know, what those kids are doing, what, what you, what's exciting about them, what, where their potentials are, what, what you've noticed in them. Get the grandparents up to speed in terms of who these kids are and, and what their gifts are and what their aptitudes are and what their talents are, who their friends are. And, you know, get get that communication going so the grandparents can understand where these kids are going and where they might be able to help a little bit. Right. Right. And then just say, you know, we really need some help with Susie, who is da 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 da, whatever the problem is. And we think you could really help as an outside person. I mean, you know, obviously you're part of the family, but as somebody kind of removed from the situation, if you could share something from your childhood or or your teenage years or something that would really be helpful. 
Now, Linda, let's use the last. We've got another five, Three, six minutes, four. maybe four. <laughs> let's use this last few minutes to give uh, the, the listeners, uh, our loyal listeners on Ours on the Road, a little preview of these books we're working on because we're, we're pretty excited about them. And we, we thought we were writing a book on grandparenting. And at some point, what was it? We just couldn't work together and we split off. <laughs> We'd, why did we decide to well, do one book on grant to grandfathers and a different book altogether? Well, we to were going to do one on grandparenting, and yeah. then and then they wanted me to do one on grandmothering. I went, no, I'm going to put all my ideas in the grandparenting book. I I've got to do something separate, and so uh, it just it worked out. It evolved. Well, and, and, I, and, and I think well, we decided that grandparents and grand grandfathers and grandmothers are two very different animals. They really are. And you've got some fantastic ideas in that book. It really is just coming out, right? When will it be out? Well, it's out in September, and and Linda's grandmothering book will be out next year in time for Mother's Day. Yeah, so we'll be talking about it. So you just miss Father's Day. um, I miss Father's Day, but that's okay. um, Anyway, it really is fun to sit down and really think about what you can do to help grandchildren. But this is the master here. Well, let's give a a quick preview. Now, here's my preview of the grandfathering book. Number one, I decided it had to be short. A lot of grandpas aren't going to sit down and wade through a big, long book. Number two, it had to be really to the point. And And number three, it had to be not about a whole list of things to do as a grandparent, but rather it had to be about what you want to be as a grandparent. So it has things like be a communicator and how to communicate with these kids. Be a champion, how to support them and give them various kinds of love that they need. How to, or, or excuse me, be a financial resource, but in a careful way so that they understand where you can ha- give matching grants for certain things and a whole host of different financial possibilities. Um, being a Secret share. I talk about having some secrets that you share with grandkids that are secrets of life that, that, that go with stories and so on. But it's simple. It's straightforward. It's to the point. And it's 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 short because I don't think grandfathers will, will read too much. Our publisher was funny. He said the way we'll sell this book is that the grandmothers will step in and buy it for their husbands. <laughs> I know. Now, give a brief preview of the grandmothering book. I know um, it's going to have recipes in it. Well, thanks for the <laughs> spoiling the surprise. Uh, no, we, I, we started on this, and we have had so much fun with our grandchildren. I have through the years with Grammy camps and all kinds of fun things that we've done. And uh, I was thinking that as we were getting ready for this reunion, you know, one of the biggest things about a grandmother is – she needs some recipes for a crowd every time we get this crowd together and everybody helps, but wow, we have some really talented daughters and daughters in law. And then we had some friends up last week with uh, five young families and they had such great ideas. And I think, man, this is what we need for an appendix for this book is some great recipes that are easy. Some are gourmet. It just depends on, you know, what they want, but it'll be so fun. Yeah, I think you're right, Linda. So the the message today, if you're a grandparent, is just count your lucky stars because nothing is greater than being a grandparent. And I agree with that. And if you're a parent and you've got some parents who you want more involved with your grandkids, have a special meeting. Figure it out. Team up. 
Be a team. It doesn't take a village to raise a child, but it takes an extended family. It does, and we wish you the very best on that, and we'll see you again next time on Ayers on the Road.